John Donne was an English clergyman, and he wrote many interesting sermons and poems. And I want to read you a poem that you may not know the full part of it, but you've heard parts of it, and they're very familiar to you. Dunn writes, No man is an island entirely of itself. Every man is a piece of the continent, a part of the main. If a clod be washed away by the sea, Europe is the less. As well as a promontory were, as well as if a manner of thy friends or of thine own were. Any man's death diminishes me because I am involved in mankind and therefore never send to know for whom the bell tolls. It tolls for thee. And Dunn says two really important things in this poem. First, he tells us that people are not isolated from one another, but that mankind has an interconnection, that we are all connected to one another. And secondly, he talks about that we're all on a path of personal mortality. And it is a constant companion of this life. That we never know when the bell is going to toll for us. Now, I believe this last week that, that this was vividly displayed in the tragic death of these four young men. And I, we, we saw and are still seeing a community that's coming together asking why. We live in a community where sometimes we think we're on our own, but certainly the Western Dubuque community has suffered an incredible loss. And they realize now how connected they need to be and they also have realized the frailty of this life. And you can ask the questions like, well, what could be done? Could this have been prevented? Could, could things have been done differently? And, and, and I just want to say, no matter how you try to protect, life is fragile. And we desperately need community. Well, that's what I was reminded of this last weekend. Now, these two ideas weren't just brought together by John Donne. I believe that we were created and redeemed to live within community. I don't think there's any question about it. We are, we are created to care for and love one another. The early church demonstrated this. I read you a portion. Let me just read you one verse in verse 31 of chapter 4. The believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. Now, people say, some people say, we should go back and be like the early church. And uh, I would say, no, I don't think so. <laughs> uh, there were problems with the early church. You read some of Paul's letters, a lot of problems. And we don't have probably the ability to just hang out and meet daily. And so that probably isn't going to happen. 
And I don't think that Acts chapter 4 was meant to be a model for how the early church was, was supposed to model everything that they did. There's certain principles there, but the point you need to see, though, is the one thing that absolutely we must model is this idea that God created us to be together. That we need community. And when you place your faith in Jesus, your sins are forgiven, you've been given, you've been given a good new life, but you have also been placed within a community. We live in a culture that celebrates individuality and independence. Our faith is personal. We often see our connection with, with the local faith community as optional. But the New Testament gives us a very, very different picture and a view of Christian community. The New Testament gives us, and I want to just look at two very, it gives us a whole bunch of pictures, but it gives us two that show us how interrelated and how connected we are as followers. Listen, if you're not a follower of Jesus Christ, pretty much go out and live any way you want. But if you're one of his followers, if you've been saved by his grace and mercy, if his, if his death on the cross has saved your life and given you freedom over sin and death, and you're, it, you, you have an obligation, you have a connection that you just can't overlook. So there's two things that we want to look at this uh, weekend. Number one, we are the people of God. We are the people of God. Let me read you a passage. This is a, a passage from Exodus chapter 19. Because the picture that, that, that we're going to see here is typical. This community idea didn't begin with a church. It's always been there in the, in the Bible. But uh, God had his people and they were part of community. But let me read you that passage. This is uh, Moses speaking about how God brought Israel out of Egypt, out of bondage, out of slavery. And in the same way, spiritually speaking, that's exactly what he did for us. When we called upon the Lord, he brought us out of spiritual bondage and spiritual slavery to set us free, right? But he didn't set us free to set us free. He set us free to be, be, be part of community. But notice the parallel here. He, Moses writes this, You have seen what I did to the Egyptians. You know how I carried you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now if you obey me and keep my covenant, you will be my own special treasure from among all the peoples of the earth. For all the earth belongs to me. And you will be my kingdom of priests, my holy nation. This is the message. You must give the people of Israel. So what God is saying to Moses is you need to tell the people that they're not just individuals. They're part of a community. They're my people now. And they will be a witness to all the other nations of me. So God saves them from slavery. Now because they are saved and rescued, they are to obey his law. And by the way, that, that, that principle is really important. They don't obey the law to be rescued. They were rescued first, and then they obeyed the law. So, so, so grace and forgiveness and salvation came first, and then obedience came. And when you get those two wrong, you get the gospel wrong. If you think the gospel is about obeying the law, keeping the law, you don't understand the gospel. The gospel is about receiving grace through faith in Jesus Christ. When you understand that, then you have a new desire, you have a new heart, you have a new direction. And what was dead is now alive. And now I obey, not out of obligation, not out of duty, but out of a great gratitude because I have been set free. 
So the people were saved for a purpose, and that was to become God's people, a community that belongs to him. Now, Peter picks up this theme in 1 Peter, and notice what he says, because he's going to apply this theme of God rescuing Israel from Egypt, making them his people. And Peter picks that theme up, and he applies it to the church. Here's what he says in 1 Peter 2. You are royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God. For he called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you had no identity as a people, now you are God's people. Once you received no mercy, but now you have received God's mercy. You see, Peter's taking that theme and just saying, you now are not alone. You're part of God. You're God's people. God rescued you just like he rescued the people of Israel out of Egypt. Now he's rescued you from sin and death. But he's brought you into community as God's people. And you are to be a light to the rest, not just to the nations, but to the people around you. So Peter's reflecting back on the Exodus passage and he's pointing out that the New Testament church is a people belonging to God because they heard and believed the gospel and they have been placed in his community. We have a new relationship with one another. He goes on to say in verse 22 of 1 Peter uh, chapter 1, you were cleansed from your sins when you obeyed the truth. So now you must show sincere love to each other as brothers and sisters. Love each other deeply with all your heart. Now, if I were to ask you, are you doing that? Are you loving each other deeply with all your heart? You might look at each other and say, I don't even know this person. I don't know these people. I have an acquaintance with them, but I don't really know them. You see, within this big community, this bigger setting, it's hard to, when we have three to five services, hello UD, When we have all these services, it's hard to know everybody, right? And you may know faces and maybe know a name or an acquaintance. And, and, oh, I didn't know you went there. Yes, I did. We actually have people that go to Hope Church and they don't even know. And they find out after a couple of years, oh, you go to Hope? I've been going to Hope for years. So how do you love a person like that? How How do you sincerely love deeply a person that you don't even run into and don't even know? Well, we'll get to that. The point I want you to see, though, is we're part of a community. We have brothers and sisters. And and really, you could say we're part of a family, the family of God. We're not just a people of God. We're a family, but we're also something else. And here's the second picture that he gives us. Paul gives us in 1 Corinthians. We're members of one body. Paul says this in chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians. Verse 12. The human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Yes, the body has many different parts, not just one part. If the foot says, I'm not a part of the body because I'm not a hand, that does not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear says, I'm not part of the body because I'm not an eye, would that make it any less part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? The whole body were an ear. How will you smell anything? By the way, I have a big nose, so I get to smell really good. So, I think in the body I may be a nose. I don't know. but Or your whole body were an ear. How would you smell anything? But our bodies have many parts, and God has put each part just where he wants it. Now, that's a pretty key phrase. Because God says, you're not all ears, you're not all eyes, you're not all arms, you're not all legs. 
You're not all Moses, but you're something. And God has put you in this body, and without you, the body is not complete. The body is not complete. Paul uses this body as an illustration of the church, that we're all necessary for a normal, healthy, functioning body. We can't, none of us would say, I can get by without my ears or eyes or hands or foot. And Paul has a couple of critical things to say. And so let's just draw a couple of lessons from this past because they apply to us and how we relate to the body. Again, I'm pushing back on this no man, no woman, no person is an island. We are interconnected to one another, whether we know it or not. And I know that goes against the current of our culture, but we must push against the current of our culture. If you're a follower of Christ, you have to do that. Don't get swallowed up in the don't get swallowed up in the current of our culture. Push against it, especially when the scripture tells you you must. What 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 God was saying to Moses to tell the people was saying, "You are a different kind of people than all the other nations around you." So show it. Peter was saying, "Okay, now you're the church and you're to be a light to the rest of the nations. Don't go with the pull of the culture. Be different than the culture." And they were. For many of them, it cost them their lives. But here's what I want you to see from the Corinthians passage we just read. Don't try to be what you're not. I love that last phrase where it says, God has put each part just where he wants it. You need to embrace who God made you to be and function within the body as he designed you to be. Don't get sidetracked by gift envy. Do you do that? Maybe you see the band and you go, oh, I wish I could sing like that or play a guitar like that. Then God would really use me, right? Or whatever it is, you know, sometimes you're an ear and you say, I wish I were an eye or a nose or a foot or a hand. Oh, that would be cool. To be, you know, that's what we do. We, we, we say, I wish, but, but, but here's what it's, Paul says. God placed you right where He wants you. Secondly, don't think you're not, an, you're not necessary or needed. I don't think any of us would say... All right, right, show of hands. How many of you can do without an eye for the next... Oh, I don't know, till you're dead. Anyone? Ear? Anyone want to give an ear up? You say maybe a kidney for a dying, you know, a family member, I might give that up, but I have another one. I've got a spare and I can, I, I, I want to, if you're like me, you're saying I'm not giving anything up because whatever I have is not getting better and I need every resource I can possibly have. I don't want to give anything up. I'm losing more and more every year. The last thing I need to do is give, or give anything up. But see, here's what's going on within local churches. Hope would be one of those. We have people who are saying, I don't want to be an ear. I don't want to be an eye. I don't really want to be connected to a body. I would just as soon be like a hand laying on a piece of cement outside somewhere. And you think about that. If you walked outside and you saw like a severed hand and the fingers are still working, you'd say, well, that's weird. Uh, you'd say probably more than that. You'd say, I think... There's some bad stuff going on around here. Uh, but ultimately you'd go, you know, that's kind of not right. There, that doesn't seem healthy or right or something's wrong here. 
And yet, within the local churches all over America, we have people who are part of the body who have never connected because they bought into the American culture that says, let's be individualistic. It's a private, personal faith. I don't want to be connected to anything. I don't want to obligate myself to anyone or anything. I don't want to make a commitment to anything. And I just want to say, that's like saying the hands... If your hand... I'm glad my hand's making a commitment to this body because I need this hand. And yet there are churches that are suffering and struggling because their members have gone AWOL. Or maybe they're there, but they're just not functioning. Right? Number three, don't think lesser members are unimportant. We need to see that each member is necessary and needed. There are no spare parts. Right? There there really are no spare parts. We must not devalue people simply because we don't think they bring much to the table. Do you remember the widow that came and she put an offering in 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 the treasury there? And it was, it was nothing. I mean, it was virtually nothing she put in. And nobody, and Jesus says, wow, that was amazing. Did you see what she did? She put two small coins in and they're going, what? What Jesus was saying was, we tend to overlook things that I don't. You may think that you're insignificant or you're unimportant, but if God has placed you and given you certain gifts and abilities, Don't overlook those. And then find a way to discover and develop your gifts. One of the best ways to discover and develop your gifts, your spiritual gifts, is within a small group. The small group was designed to provide you with feedback and encouragement. The small group is the best way to get personal feedback and help and become all that God wants you to be. I'm telling you that it's very hard within a group dynamic like this to discover and develop your small your, your your gifts and your abilities and find out how you're connected to body, but when you get become part of a small group, you have an opportunity opportunity to do that. So in a small group, uh, we're told that we are to honor one another, and it says this in Romans. It says in Romans twelve ten, love each other with a genuine affection. Take delight in honoring each other. And as I said before, how do you do that in a big group like this? Kind of hard to do that because I don't know anyone, right? Or I don't know hardly anyone, and I don't really have a lot of contact. We maybe get to the game last night, and the Bears look good. The quarterbacks look good, apparently. You know, it's preseason. Let's not get all hyped up yet, Daryl. But, but here's the point. We need to be part of something bigger than ourselves. We need to find a way to seek others and seek out others and affirm them. The small group can be a great way for us to honor and affirm the gifts and abilities of others. Uh, a small group is a place where we can go to be known and loved. We can affirm when we see our friends growing and making progress. When we see them growing in joy and self-control and peace. And we see them growing in their faith and becoming all that God desires them to be. We can affirm them. We can point out their gifts and talents and abilities as we see them. We can encourage them to step out in faith and use their gifts for the good of the whole body. We can also see the hidden things and the sacrifices that they're making that no one else sees. The trials that they've overcome. We can walk with them in their sadness and pain. We can be a great source of encouragement to them. James 5.9 says, don't grumble against each other. This is the, you know, the opposite of affirming. 
We could show um, exasperation and disdain towards others. And by the way, the enemy wants you to engage in groaning and complaining about those within the body of Christ. Don't be so easily fooled into bouts of grumbling and gossip. A small group is a place where we can find loving words of correction. And our desire is that the small groups at Hope would be loving, caring small groups. That they would be healthy. And one significant sign of health within a small group is the absence of grumbling and gossip. In fact, when we begin to grumble or gossip, we need somebody to stop us and remind us that we're all part of the same body. Right? So here's the key principle. Living as part of the body, a member of the community, is hard, but if you want to grow, it's vital. If you're a follower of Christ, this is not an option. So how do you affirm and confirm the gifts and abilities of others? And so let me just close by giving you this. Why should we, why should you join a small group? Well, for one reason, it's one of the best environments for growth. If you want to grow as a follower of Christ, it's one of the best ways to grow. In time, your small group will become some of your best, best friends. They will be with you in good times and bad. And when you need a hand, they will be the first ones you call. Hopefully, you will develop a close enough relationship that when you find a, 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 you will find a friend that you can call out, well, that can call you out, that can encourage you, that can correct you when you're And when you're down, they'll be there for you. When you're going through a difficult time, they'll be the first one you'll call. And they'll share your your ups and your downs, your victories and your failures. Second, so it's a great place of growth. Secondly, it's one of the best ways to get connected. Um, as, As hope grows bigger and bigger, it needs to grow smaller and smaller. Now, adult wise, we have about, um, one in five Adults are in small groups. That's not enough. That's not enough. Uh, we believe that the way that you can go to a church that's bigger like this and feel like you're connected is to get into a small group. Because when you're part of a small group, you'll know them and they will know you. And it's a small group of you know, eight to ten people who, where you're connecting with them and they know your name and they know your kids and they know your story and they... They pray for you and you pray for them and you encourage one another and you grow together. And, and as hope grows bigger and bigger, bigger, it needs to grow smaller and smaller. And as you join a small group, you have a group of people who know you and uh, you'll make a significant connection to the larger community. It's one of the best ways to find answers to spiritual questions. Every one of us has questions, right? We say, I want to know the answer to this, but I don't know who to ask and I don't want to seem dumb. And so I need somebody. And so when you get connected to a small group, there'll be a small group leader somewhere or somebody in there who's smart. And you'll be able to ask them questions and they'll say, that's a really good question. And generally, when somebody says that, they either know the answer and they've heard it before or they don't have any idea and they're stalling. (laughs) But they will get the answer for you. And more than likely, they will be able to answer your question and point out some good resources. Once you're connected, you'll uh, have someone who can point you to the best place. And, you know, by the way, if you're new to town, 
and you feel like, man, this church gets, seems big and I don't know anyone and how do I get connected? Small group is the answer. By the way, small groups are great. When you move into a new community, if you get connected to a small group, you can get the skinny on whole, so many things. You can, you can find out about who are the best doctors and where is, are the best shopping places and, you know, all that. Where can I find a, an honest mechanic? Okay, I'm still looking. No, I'm <laughs> Well, if you know one, let me know, you know. Uh, but you know what I mean? You, all those questions. Where do I find a dentist or an orthodontist and stuff? And so you get connected to a small group and you'll get those, you'll, you'll just get people who are connected and say, oh, don't go here, but go here. This, hey, this, they got a deal here. And that's what it means to get connected. And then last, it's a great place to get help when you need it. Our goal is that every small group will provide support in times of crisis, major life changes. You will receive a care from, a, from people who really care about you. One of the things that just I just enjoy so much as a pastor is when I find out, by the way, if you go to the hospital and I don't know about it, I can't visit you. Did you know that? Because I'm not like, God doesn't say, oh, by the way, Matt, they're in the hospital. I find out afterwards or something, and it kind of bugs me a little bit. Now, maybe you don't want me to come and visit, and that's fine. I get that. But if you're wondering, why did he come and visit? Because I didn't know you were in the hospital, okay? I can't do it if I don't know. But if I do know, I will come and visit you very briefly. Because I know you don't look the best or feel the best when you're in the hospital. Your hair's not very good, and you're just awful when you're in the hospital. You just, re- you really are. And I understand that. I won't tell anybody, but I will come in and I will pray with you. But what I love is when I come into the hospital and there's a small group person there. Or I hear a small group person calls me and says, hey, just so you know, they're in the hospital and I've been there, but maybe you'd want to pop in and see them. I love that. I love the fact that the small group hears about it before I do because then I feel like they're connecting. They're caring for each other. I'm thankful for those times when somebody has been visited by their small group and they've already been there. Love that. So here's what I want you to do. This month we want to sign up a whole bunch of you who are not part of a small group to try out a small group. And we have a whole bunch of new small group leaders. We have about 10 to 12 new small group leaders. And we're going to have kiosks next week. But I'm going to tell you what you can do tonight. If you take a connection card and fill it out this tonight, just put your name and a contact. Give me a phone number or something. Don't give me some email address you never look at. Okay? Something like that. We will give you information on how you can get connected to a small group. And if you do that, you will begin to love on other people and other people will begin to love on you and you'll become connected to a community. And as you do that, you will be amazed at what God is going to do in your life. So if you'd like to do that, fill the card out. And when you leave, the hosts are going to give you one of these catalogs and you can hand them the card and say, here's the card and we will contact you. But we want to this month get people connected so that we can hit the ground running um, in September and get you plugged into a small group. And that's how you're going to begin to love 
people because you're going to get to know some really good, close people. And they're going to become your friends. And that's what we want because we think God has created us not to be an island, but to be a community. So when things difficult things happen in our lives, there's people in our lives who know us and care about us. And we care about them. Amen? Would you stand with me? Let's pray. Father, help us to understand how important this principle of being part of community and connected is and how all the one another statements, love one another, forgive one another, pray for one another, bear one another's burdens, all those cannot take place in, in a community like this, but takes place in a small group community. I pray, Father, that uh, those that are here that have kind of not n- never gotten connected in this way would take a step of faith and just dive in and find what you have for them as they become an active participant within your living community that we call the body, that we call your church. And as we use our gifts and our ability, Father, we just pray that you'd make the body be all it can be. For your glory and our good, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.